Back when I was in Bible college, I went through a, a phase or a season where I was struggling to understand what it would mean for me to really be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. I really wanted that. God was working in my life. And I was reading some books, books on living the crucified life and dying to self and taking up your cross and he must increase and we must decrease. And one of the thoughts I had about that was, well, if, if self is supposed to be decreasing, then maybe I should stop praying for myself. Like maybe that's selfish and maybe a, maybe a real true disciple of Jesus would always be praying for other people and would never pray for themselves. So that was this notion I had in my head. At some point, though, my reading of the Bible started to change my mind about all of that. Certainly we read in the Bible that Jesus did call his followers to deny themselves and take up their cross and follow him. Certainly he did say that he must increase and we must decrease, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't pray for ourselves. I studied the Lord's Prayer, for example, and I saw that Jesus actually instructed his disciples to pray. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us. Lead us. Deliver us. And I knew that the Lord's Prayer wasn't a selfish prayer. The more I read, the more I studied, the more places I saw that, that godly people all throughout Scripture actually did pray for themselves. They didn't only pray for themselves, but, but they did. Some of you know Dave Early. He is um, the guy that God used in my life in those early years to disciple me in the things of God and then later, really for the next 20 years, to, to mentor me in many ways. And, and through his teaching and his writing and my own study, I, I came to understand that it's actually a good thing to pray for myself. It's actually a wise thing. I learned the Bible contains many prayers that could be said to be self-focused in the sense that they petition God to do things for me, for us. By the way, Dave is actually going to be here next weekend, and he's going to be uh, preaching here on the topic of spiritual warfare prayer. And so I'm looking forward to that, and I hope that you'll make a point of being here as well. And he, a few years ago, he wrote a little book called The 21 Most Effective Prayers in the Bible. And, and they're the me prayers that are found in the Bible. And he called them effective because the people who prayed them in the Bible got answers from God. And you can pick this up for less than five bucks in our bookstore. Highly recommend it. Great book teaching us how to pray. So I really just want all of us to understand today that it is okay to pray for yourself. That's okay to do. In this upcoming week of prayer and fasting, I know that the Lord is moving some of you to set aside food and maybe some other things to pray for others, maybe a son or daughter, um, maybe a wayward son or daughter, or parents who don't know Christ yet, or grandparents, or co-worker, or friends. Some of you are burdened to pray for others, and that is great. But some of you, God has laid on your heart a burden to pray something for yourself. You need something from God. And maybe you've wondered, is that okay? And, and I want you to know it's okay to pray for yourself. I haven't analyzed it or anything, but I find that probably maybe 50 to 60% of my prayers are for me. And maybe you hear that and go, well, you're a selfish guy. But I just, I know I need prayer. And I know some of you pray for me, and I'm grateful for that, and I pray for you. But in praying for me, you might forget, so I pray for myself. Because I need prayer. I need lots of prayer. 
So to help us think about this today, I want to do a flying overview of some of the prayers that godly people in the Bible prayed for themselves. And as you know, there's a study outlined in your worship folder, so you can pull that out, follow along with us. Each of these prayers could be a sermon in itself, and I I can't do that this morning. So we're going to look more deeply at some and kind of skim over others. These were effective prayers. These were prayers that people in the Bible prayed for themselves and God answered. And the first one is the prayer of Eleazar. Will you say that with me? Eleazar, that was the name of Abraham's servant, and it was a prayer for fulfillment of his master's wishes, and the prayer went like this, grant me success today. Would you say that with me? Grant me success today. It's found in Genesis 24:12. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Grant me success today. Certainly the truest form of this prayer would involve praying for success in fulfilling the wishes of your master. That's what Eleazar was doing. You say, what was going on? Well, his master Abraham had a son whose name was Isaac, and Isaac had grown up, and Isaac needed a wife, like some of you men do. Isaac needed a wife. And old Abraham commissioned his servant Eleazar to go find a wife for his son Isaac. Things were kind of different back then. Marriages were arranged more often than not, and it was important to Abraham and Isaac that Isaac's wife-to-be be a certain kind of woman. Apparently, Isaac wasn't too proficient at wooing and winning his own girl, So dad jumps in and gives his servant an assignment to help his boy out. And Eleazar heard the assignment. He said, man, I need God for this. (laughs) I need God's help to fulfill my master's wishes. And so he prayed, oh, Lord, please grant me success today. Grant me success so that my master will be pleased. You think that's a selfish prayer, grant me success? I mean, it sounds kind of selfish. It could be depending on what's in our hearts when we pray it. But if it's a prayer motivated by an eagerness to see our master's wishes fulfilled, then I believe it's a prayer God wants to answer, don't you? Give me success today. The Lord answered Eleazar's request by drawing a lovely young woman named Rebecca, single and available. The Lord drew her to a particular well in a particular town at a particular time where she made a particular statement that contained particular words that let Eleazar know without a doubt that she, Rebecca, was God's choice for Isaac. God answered his prayer for success. God, grant me success today. I've known people who prayed this prayer before making a sales presentation or before a game where they were going to be playing in the game. God, grant us success today. Before giving a speech, before a sermon, before a ministry event, it is okay to pray this for yourself while remembering that your highest motive in praying it should be to fulfill the wishes of our Master, Jesus Christ. And when that's the condition of our hearts, I think the Lord delights in answering this prayer. Grant us success. Well, here's the second one, and this is the prayer of Hannah, a woman in the Old Testament. It was a prayer for a child. For a baby. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And she vowed a vow and said, Here's her prayer O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me. There's the prayer. Remember me. 
and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son. Then I will give him, the son, to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. That was part of a particular vow that people would make in that day to express their devotion to God. It was a Nazarite vow. So Hannah prayed, Dear God, remember me. Have you ever had a longing in your heart that lingered for days, weeks, months, years, decades maybe? Hannah did. Hannah longed to have a baby. See, Hannah's womb was barren, and unfortunately in that culture, being a barren wife was a source of disgrace and ridicule. Although many times her husband tried to comfort her by telling her how blessed she was to have him as a husband, it just didn't quite do it for her. She couldn't shake this belief that God had placed in her heart the desire to be a mom someday. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. That God, at some point in time, had planted a dream in your heart. And yet, weeks, months, years, maybe decades have gone by with nothing happening. Have you ever felt like God forgot about you? Now, we know, theologically, that God doesn't forget about us, right? But have you ever felt like that? It's like, God, where are you? Well, Hannah felt that way. And she came to a point where she was so intent in demonstrating her earnestness to the Lord and this desire to pour out her heart to Him that she decided to go without food. She decided to go on a fast and pray for a son. And I want to encourage you this week as we enter a week of prayer and fasting to listen to God. And I would encourage all of us to take a 24-hour period, sometime this week, a 24-hour period, and go without food, just drinking liquids, to demonstrate our seriousness about our request to the Lord. It's as if you're saying, God, I just want you to know that this thing, this burden that you've laid on my heart, it's more important to me than my daily food right now. And I'm beseeching you for it. I would encourage you to, to take one night this week from 8.30 to 10 p.m. and come and pray in the prayer chapel. And we'll have these blue cards there so we can pray not only for our own things but for each other's burdens and and, and prayer requests and things that we're asking God for. Well, Hannah was deeply burdened and she went on a fast and she prayed and poured out her heart to God in prayer. Remember me, God. Don't forget about me. See my affliction. Remember me. I imagine some of you maybe this week will be praying like Hannah. Lord, remember me. I'm still here, God. It still hasn't happened. Remember that dream you put in my heart last year, five years ago, 25 years ago? Remember that? That dream to to own my own company one day and make it a distinctively Christian business? That dream to travel overseas? That dream to start up a ministry? That dream to raise my family for you? That dream to have a family? Remember me, God. Take note of me. Don't forget me. See my affliction. Remember me. Well, God heard Hannah's prayer, didn't He? He saw the condition of her heart. He saw that now it wasn't so much about being well thought of by the townspeople anymore. Now it was about having a son and raising a son who would become a man of God who would be used by the Lord to turn the hearts of the people back to the Lord. 
Now she was willing to give her child back to God for a lifetime of service. And so the Lord heard her fervent prayer and answered, and a baby was born. Baby Samuel. Do you know what his name means? God heard. God listened. Yes, he did. He remembered Hannah. The Lord may do that for you too. Can't guarantee it. If you have a deep longing in your heart that just won't go away, it lingers an ache to receive something from the Lord, that you're then willing to give back to the Lord for His use and His glory, then I urge you to pray. Pray that prayer. Remember me. If He lays it on your heart, fast and pray, even this week. Remember me, God. Well, the next prayer is one of the highest and loftiest prayers that you can pray for yourself. It's the prayer of Moses. For a glimpse of God. And his prayer is recorded in Exodus 33:18. Say it with me, would you? Show me your glory. That's the Moses prayer. Dear God, please show me your glory. So here was a man, Moses, who desperately needed to know at a defining moment in his life that the God who was speaking to him in the burning bush and calling him to be the deliverer of his people, was, was that that God was really worth putting his life on the line for. Because he knew what might happen. That voice in the bush had commissioned him to go to Egypt and tell the enslaved children of Israel that he would be their deliverer. But, but, but would they believe him? Would they, they, they listen to his stuttering speech and say, you're going to be our leader? Would they want him? Would they follow him? And so Moses was saying, God, I, I need something more from you. I've heard your voice, but I need to see you. If I'm going to do this, I need to see you. Show me your glory. And with that prayer, Moses ventured out into a realm where few have ever gone. And God answered. How did he do it? He took Moses and it says he put him in the cleft of a rock, kind of like old man's cave. This little place, and he said, "Okay, Moses, you, you've asked to see my glory. I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pass by you, and I'm gonna let a little teeny bit of my afterglow leak your way, enough that you can see the brightness of my glory and feel the weightiness of it, but not enough that it would disintegrate you, because any human being in their natural state, in the full presence of the glory of God, would be disintegrated." So God showed him a few photons of his glory. <laughs> and it changed Moses, didn't it? it? changed him. I started praying this prayer, show me your glory, about three years ago when I was being awakened in a new way to the glory of God. God didn't put me in old man's cave and pass by and give me that kind of an experience. But the way that God has been answering this prayer for me is to show me the glory of God in Jesus Christ. I mean, we know this, that the Bible declares that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Hebrews 1.3. It says that the light of the knowledge of the glory of God is now seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul called the gospel the gospel of the glory of Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.3. So praying this prayer now, I believe, is a request for God to open our eyes to see how his glory is manifested in the person and work of this man, Jesus Christ. He is the image of God, the fullness of his glory.
And so I urge all of us to pray this prayer. It's a deep prayer. Show me your glory, God. I've got to see it. i got to see it. And there's the prayer of Gideon. A prayer to confirm the calling that God had placed on his life. And, and what was the prayer? Say it with me. Show me a sign. Show me a sign. It's recorded in Judges 6.17. It says this, And he said to him, this is Gideon talking to the Lord, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak to me. And you know the story of Gideon. I, I can't go into, into all of it right now, but you know that God had given him an assignment as another deliverer for Israel who once again had fallen away from the Lord and they were being raided day and night by the Midianites and God wanted to flex and show his might and his strength and he wanted to do it through a man and that man's name was Gideon. And he called Gideon to be his guy in delivering Israel from the oppression of the Midianites and Gideon was unsure of himself and he doubted his own abilities and he needed to know. And so he said, God, I, I need to know this is you talking to me. I need to know this is from you. I need to know that I'm really your guy. So show me a sign. In fact, truth be told, he asked for several signs. And God, in his mercy, accommodated Gideon. Show me a sign. Bible scholars contend that this is not the best way as a matter of course to get discernment from God for your like daily life decisions, you know, setting out a fleece and that sort of thing. And I tend to agree with that. I don't think we're talking here about, okay, God, here's a deal. If you want me to ask Sally out on a date, then let me see a shooting star in the night sky now. I don't think we're talking about that kind of thing. But I believe there are those times, rare, maybe just a handful of times in your whole life, where you're at a crossroads, a critical crossroads and juncture in your life, and there's several paths out before you, and you just need to know what God wants. Your heart is right. You're willing to do His will, whatever path He would have for you, and you're trying to read His directional signs and listen to counsel, but you just need to know. You ever been there? I have. I've prayed this prayer. God, show me a sign. I remember 30 years ago, I was... I was in college, and I got to that point in college where you have to declare a major. You know, there's that point, right? You can dink around for about a year and a half, two years, but then it's like you got to commit and head down a path. And God was working in my life. My passion for him was being inflamed, and this desire to shepherd people and preach his word was growing in me, and I needed to know. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God. I didn't ask for a shooting star. I didn't lay out a fleece like Gideon did. But I said this, okay, God, here's, here's where I'm at. <laughs> I'm speaking at this evangelistic event in a couple days. I'm going to be preaching the gospel. I need to see ten people. I gave him a number. Ten people receive Christ through the preaching of your gospel to them at this event. So the event came. I was there. I got to speak to a lot of folks. And by the end of the evening, 20 people had bowed their knee to Jesus Christ, including one of the workers who was serving in the event, just crumbled under the gospel because she realized, I'm not, I'm not really saved. I'm, I've been a phony. And I said that later that night, I said, all right, I'm going with it. <laughs> I asked for a sign. You gave me a sign. I'm going with it. I declared my major and, and never really turned back since. I just needed to know. 
remember a few years ago, some of you know Ken Dillman. He was on our staff for a number of years, and God was stirring him up to perhaps go start a church, and, and he wasn't sure, and he was seeking God, and he, he came to me and said, you know, Steve, I've asked God for a hundred confirmations, a hundred, if he wants me to go start a church. Remember, he cycled back to me after a few months. He said, well, I'm up to 94 now. I said, well, you know, that's probably enough to go on. I think we can trust God for the other six. Let's go down this path. And he did and uh, went and God used him to start a church, which has now planted another church. And praise God. Maybe your prayer this week will be along these lines. God, I sense that you've called me to something, but I'm not quite totally sure. I, I think I'm reading you correctly. I think I'm hearing you correctly, but I really need to know. Would you give me a sign? Show me a sign. I think it's okay to pray that prayer if your heart is in the right place. Confirm it to me, God, like you did to Gideon. Show me a sign. A man named Nehemiah in the Old Testament prayed several of these kind of self-focused prayers, and it was okay. The first one that we'll look at is in Nehemiah 1. It was the prayer of Nehemiah for favor. He wanted to be treated favorably by those in authority over him, particularly the king. Grant me favor. That's the word. Maybe you want to pray this prayer before going in and asking your boss for a raise. Grant me favor, God. Here was Nehemiah's prayer. Nehemiah 111. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants, so there are more people praying this, who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor. There it is. In the presence of this man, I was a cupbearer to the king. See, Nehemiah was burdened about rebuilding his hometown, Jerusalem, and he needed the king's help for resources and permission to get there. And so he was going in to ask the king for his support in this venture. But before he went in, he shot up this prayer to the Lord. Oh God, grant me favor in the presence of this man. I'm not sure how effective this prayer is for those who just want God's favor to end with themselves. But for those who want to be a conduit, a channel for God's blessing to others, I think God delights in answering this prayer. Give me favor, God. Give me favor with those in authority over me. Later on, Nehemiah would pray this next prayer, strengthen my hands, his prayer for strength. You see, when they went back and started rebuilding the wall, there was opposition there were people who were not in favor of what he was doing. There was ridicule. Plus, it was hard work, and they were getting tired. In the midst of all that, Nehemiah realized what was going on, and in Nehemiah 6.9, he said, it says this, for they all wanted to frighten us, these opponents, thinking their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Strengthen us, God. Give us strength. You ever pray that? God, I need your strength. I'm not sure I can continue to persevere in what you've called me to do. I'm worn out. I'm weary. There's opposition. There's people who are not wild about this. Give me your strength, God. Give us your strength. Strengthen my hands. You can pray that prayer. It's a prayer of humble dependence, isn't it? I don't have enough strength in myself, Jesus. Strengthen me. And a man named Solomon son of David, prayed for wisdom to lead the people. And his prayer 
It's found in 2 Chronicles 1.10. Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people, for who can govern this people of yours, which is so great? This is the prayer of Solomon for wisdom to lead well. You might recall that God made Solomon an incredible offer, didn't he? God looked at Solomon and said, Ask me for whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. What if God said that to you? What would you say? Give me money and lots of it. (laughs) You know, Solomon didn't ask for wealth. Ironically, he didn't ask for fame, notoriety. He prayed this prayer. Give me wisdom, God. You've put me in charge of all these people. I'm governing these people, and I need your wisdom. I can't do it myself. Have you ever prayed this prayer? I'll tell you, if you lead anything, if you lead a family, if you lead a business, if you lead a ministry, if you, if you are in government in any capacity, this is a great prayer to pray. It's a prayer that God wants to answer when it's prayed humbly and in dependence. Give me wisdom, God. I need discernment and insight beyond my years. Give me wisdom. I pray this prayer a lot. You know, there's a verse in James 1 that says that when we pray for wisdom, God answers. He delights in answering. How about this next prayer, the prayer of Isaiah? We studied this a few weeks ago. Isaiah's prayer to join in God's mission. And the prayer was what? Here am I, send me. Send me. That was the prayer of Isaiah. Send me. You might recall, Isaiah was given this marvelous vision of the Lord in heaven, sitting on his throne. Angels circling around, crying, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Then he saw himself. He said, woe is me, I'm sinful. What do I do? God came to him in a miraculous way and cleansed him from his sin. And then he overheard the Trinity in heaven saying, you know, we have a mission who will go for us. And what did Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. I'm available, God. Use me. You can send somebody else if you want, but I want you to know, I'm here. I'm cleansed now. I'm available. Sometimes people think that God could never use them to do His work. We have our reasons for thinking this, right? God, you only use impressive people. You only use extremely talented people. Who am I? You know, I'm not very impressive. I'm not talented. Some people think I'm too fat or I'm too thin or I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm just kind of plain and ordinary, nothing special about me. God, I'm not really convinced you could use me. Some people realize, you know, I have a past. I have a checkered past with junk and with issues and I don't know that the Lord could really use me. I want to remind you of the kind of people in the Bible whom God used. Many of them, you know this, had the same issues that we might think would disqualify them from being used by God. But think about it. Maybe you've heard this before. It's kind of cute. God used Noah, but Noah got drunk, right? Abraham was thought to be too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. That's what it says. God used her. Joseph was abused. Some of you have been there. God used him. 
Moses had a stuttering problem and he was a murderer. Gideon was fearful and afraid, as we saw. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were too young. David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. And Isaiah preached naked. Yikes. I don't want to think about that. God used him. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. See, I have a bankruptcy in my past. God can't really use me. Sure he can. Sure he can. John the Baptist ate bugs for crying out loud. God used him. Peter denied Jesus Christ at the moment of truth. He said, I don't even know the guy. God still used him. The disciples were called to pray and instead fell asleep when they were supposed to be praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. God used her. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer and Lazarus was dead. God used all of them despite their issues. Despite what might have thought to have been disqualifications from being used by God, God used all of them. There's some of you that God's just waiting for you to just say, Lord, okay, I am who I am. My past is what it is. However, here I am. Send me. I'm available. You've cleansed me. Use me, God. Send me on your mission. That's the Isaiah prayer. Let's just touch on a few more. Here's one that I doubt very many of us will pray. The prayer of Jeremiah for discipline. Jeremiah 10.24, Correct me, O Lord, but in justice, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. This is a daring prayer. A plea for divine discipline. I wonder if any of us are courageous enough to pray that one. How about the prayer of Peter when he was sinking, when he was drowning? What was his prayer? Save me, save me. Matthew 14, 30, when he saw the wind. Remember, Jesus had called him to step out of the boat to walk on water. And we get on Peter sometimes, but at least he had the courage to step out of that boat. And he was doing good for a few moments. And then he stopped looking at Jesus and started looking at all all the circumstances and the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. But he did what any, all of us should do in that situation. He cried out, save me, Lord. You ever been sinking? Going down? Hard to get a breath? The wind and the waves around you are overwhelming you? When all of your other life preservers have proven to be unreliable? And all of your thrashing around, your violent thrashing around is making the situation worse. May I encourage you to do what Peter did and cry out, Lord, save me. I can't save myself. Save me. I'm in the situation. I'm in too deep. I can't get out. I prayed that prayer. So many times I felt the strong hand of Jesus grasping my arm and lifting me up, saving me from myself, from my sin, from my situation. Love that prayer, Peter prayer. We also see in Scripture the prayer of the disciples for more faith. Increase our faith, Lord. 
Increase our faith. You ever prayed that? Grow my faith, Jesus. Give me more faith. It's interesting, though, that the disciples prayed this. The context is when they were coming face to face with their inability to forgive, especially to forgive someone who repeatedly offended them. Here's the context. If your brother sins against you seven times in one day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, Jesus said, you must forgive him. And that's when the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. We don't have enough faith to to forgive like that. Help us believe. Believe what? Believe that through the gospel of Jesus, we ourselves have been forgiven thousands of times more than we'll ever be called upon to forgive others. I want to say again what I said a few weeks ago. It's true. Growth in your Christian life doesn't begin by behaving better. It begins by believing better. By believing, truly believing all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, that's where spiritual growth begins. And so we can all pray this prayer. Lord, increase our faith. Grant us the ability to believe at a deep level everything you've done for your people, including me. This has been applied to me. Well, there are many, many examples in the Bible of godly people praying for themselves. I don't think we should only pray for ourselves. No, don't share that prayer request with me. I only pray for me. No, I don't think we should do that. We should be praying for others as well. But there are many good reasons to pray for yourself. Often I find myself praying just, I need you, Lord. I need you. Do for me, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So speaking of that, let's complete our overview this morning by looking at one more Bible prayer that the Lord wants to hear from every person. It's a prayer uttered by a tax collector in a story that Jesus told. Say the prayer with me, would you? Be merciful to me, a sinner. You say it again. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus told this story about two guys. One guy was very religious, he was very full of himself, he was confident, it says, in his own righteousness. He looked down on others who he didn't consider to be as good as he was, including this fellow, Luke eighteen thirteen. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he beat his breast, saying, here it is, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus' commentary, verse 14, I tell you, This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. This man, the tax collector, despised in that culture, often for good reasons. So many of the tax collectors were known for skimming some of the off the collections and patting their own wallets. They were despised, crooked. But this particular tax collector had obviously been brought to a point of seeing the wretchedness of his own sin. He even called himself a sinner who needed mercy. And Jesus said when he prayed that prayer from his heart, he went home justified. That means his status with God was changed. You know, like Facebook, change your status. Status changed in an instant from enemy to friend. God have mercy on me, a sinner. 
status changed. Enemy of God, friend of God. You say, how can God do that on the basis of a prayer? And I would say, because it's not really on the basis of a prayer. Not the words. It's on the basis of a bloody sacrifice when God's own Son, Jesus Christ, offered Himself to bear the sins of the world in His own body. Suffered and bled and died on an old rugged cross and justice was served that day on Mount Calvary, wasn't it? When Jesus was punished in the place of sinners so that now God can justify, declare righteous, anyone and everyone who will say from their heart sincerely, God, I'm a sinner, I need your mercy. That's a prayer that God answers every time. He brings salvation, justification to the soul of every single individual who prays this prayer. Aren't you glad of that? How many of you have ever prayed this prayer? I wonder. You know, this is the real sinner's prayer in the Bible. This is the sinner's prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I just got to thinking about everybody who's at New Life Church. I wonder how many of us have actually prayed this prayer in our lives at some point. Not just the words, but we knew in our hearts, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. Jesus is the only qualified Savior. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wouldn't it be great if everybody was saved? If everybody prayed that prayer? But I know it's not true. I know that not everybody sitting in this room right now has come to that point. Some of you were saved through praying this prayer 30, 40 years ago, some 10 years ago. Many of you maybe in the last three or four years. Perhaps today is the day of salvation for someone in this room. You see, this prayer opens up all the other prayers, doesn't it? This prayer opens up all the other prayers. Lord, have mercy on me, sinner. You see, you've got to realize you're not good enough for God. You might be good compared to others. You're not good enough for God. None of us is. The standard is too high. You can never live up to what all God requires. Never. None of us have. No human being has kept his standards perfectly their whole lives except one, and his name was Jesus Christ. And I know I say this every week, but I'll say it again. Jesus came and lived the life we could never live, died the death we deserve to die, taking God's judgment on our sin, and then God raised Jesus from the dead to show that he was pleased with his sacrifice. And now everyone who prays, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, saved. Truly, born again, forgiven. Would you bow your heads with me? In a few moments, we're going to watch a little video together about baptism and kind of shows us what that's all about and how that can happen this morning even. But you know, the precursor to baptism, the requirement, the condition for being baptized is that Somewhere in your life, you've prayed this prayer and, and, and meant it, and, and Jesus Christ became your Savior. 
And I'm wondering if there's maybe one or two or a handful of people here today who today is your day of salvation. Because now you see your sin for what it is, rebellion against God, cosmic treason against the creator of the universe. And you know your sin has not only made a mess of your life and others' lives perhaps, but it's alienated you from God. Today you're coming to that point where you're saying, you know, I'm going to stop trusting in myself to make it. I'm going to put my full trust in Jesus Christ. I'm repenting of my sin. And I'm praying this prayer right now. Would you just pray it to the Lord? Right where you sit. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. If you prayed that, would you look up at me? Yeah, amen. amen. Others, just look up at me. Yeah, I prayed that. Yep. Praise God. Many, many of you. Yeah. Lord, to offer, to make this kind of an offer to people and thinking about what it costs you to be able to make the offer causes me to feel really loved. And I don't deserve to be loved like you love me. None of us do. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the empty tomb. Thank you for the offer of salvation. I pray that you have brought several, maybe many, into your family today through this simple prayer that a child can pray. It comes from a heart that is broken over sin and knows we need a Savior. Thank you. Well, you know, there may be some in the room today who need to be baptized, who need to go public with their faith and let other people know they are followers of Jesus. I pray you give them the courage to do that, even this morning, even in the next few moments. Place this matter in your hands, and I pray it in Jesus' name.